Welcome to The Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Robert Moss, the author of Barbecue, the History of an American Institution. And I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. Well, this week is the crusty but not crummy edition of The Winnows for reasons that will b- become clear soon enough because uh, this this week we're talking uh, bread and, and all things bread and sampling some bread. And uh, we have with us Chris Wilkins, the owner of Root Baking, uh, who is probably about the best person I can think of to talk about uh, artisan handcrafted bread. Well, so joining us uh, now this morning is uh, Chris Wilkins, the owner of Root, Bra- uh, Root Baking uh, here in Charleston, actually out on John's Island. Uh, yeah, well, outside. it took me a red top. Red top. Yeah, I say John's Island, and then uh, people say, you know that's red top. <laughs> but no one knows <laughs> Do red people top. outside of red top say that? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people in red top say it's red top. Yeah. And it's always... I will now say that all the time. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like I'm an insider now. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, thanks, Chris, for joining us. I know so you're the owner of Root Baking, at least, at least for now, because mm-hmm. I think uh, just recently you announced a, a big move coming. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah, on the way to Atlanta. Um, yeah, was, this has sort of been in the works for a little while, um, and not because, you know, we we need to get out of Charleston or anything. We love it here, but it's very expensive to open a retail place here. And so we looked around, looked around, looked around, and then an opportunity came in Atlanta, and we had to jump on it. So, Chris, you want to back up, just talk a little bit about how you came to Charleston in the first place and, and what you were looking to do sure. here? Yeah, I started in Bloomington, Indiana, of all places. Um, I was in graduate school for something incredibly boring, <laughs> but, but we'll call it Italian cinema. Got a job at a bakery in Bloomington to support my travel to see my now wife, um, then fiance, in Vermont. And then I got a job in Vermont and then somehow got roped into moving to Athens, Georgia to open a bakery. <laughs> Did that, and I met uh, Hugh Atchison in Athens, and he asked me to come help with uh, the Florence, which is now closed. And then from the Florence, we came to Charleston and said, this seems like a good place. So out in Red Top, you have is the, the bakery itself, and I guess it's, you're primarily wholesale. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, if, you, if you've seen it, uh, you would laugh at like, <laughs> how tiny. I mean, Hannah's, yep. you've, you've seen it. It's like it is tiny. Right. It looks like kind of like your high school ceramics studio kind yeah. of thing. It's yeah. So it's not some big gleaming warehouse. No. Like, you know, stainless steel. No, no offense intended with that. No, but, no, listen. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a scrappy little place. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we, uh, I mean, honestly, it's just, it was the cheapest, yeah. you know. And um, Nicole and I own 100% of the business. Like, we don't have any investors or anything. So it was just the easiest way to do it. So we did a lot of the work ourselves and uh, built it up from there. But. So we just kind of built it kind of in a grassroots way and just uh, started getting to know chefs. Yeah, so how now from your wholesale business, how's that expanded? I mean, did you are you did you get are you downtown chefs or mm-hmm. local the first, restaurants nearby? The or first place the first place to buy to buy the bread was um, Edmund's Oast. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Reed Henninger when he was a chef there. Mm-hmm. I met him through a just one of the line cooks at the Florence or something like that. I forgot how it went, but I don't know. From there, that shrimp toast, I guess, it just like sold the rest of the bread. Oh, you're the bread on the shrimp toast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Well, that, that, the, the Edmunds toast, infamous shrimp toast. Right. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Which everyone, I guess, probably thought was all about the shrimp or about something else, but it was really, it was about the bread. And I, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to put you on the spot, but maybe you can if you can speak to objectively kind of what the bread scene looked like when you yeah. arrived. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's funny. Like, uh, stronger than stronger than I anticipated even, you know, I mean, because the bread's, the bread's pretty good here. I mean, we, we thought we could just kind of exist in this niche, mm-hmm. you know, of doing like this fresh milled whole grain stuff. 
Um, and so I think that, you know, because we had a, a fairly mature baking scene, like with Normandy and with Evo and Brown's Court, we thought like, okay, so there's enough of a bread culture here in Charleston for us to kind of find a small niche, you know. Honestly, we sell to tons and tons of European people at the farmer's markets. Mm. And we didn't think we were pioneering anything, and I still don't think we've ever pioneered anything. But it's just a nice a nice fit for us here. Yeah. What's, so do does, you think, was it is it the relationships you forged with chefs? Because I do feel like bread has played a bigger part in the dining scene here mm. since your arrival. Yeah. I I don't know. I I Our rule is that we only sell to friends. Yeah. Like, we don't – We I say no way too often probably for wow. business sake. <laughs> like I'm, I'm probably – I'm terrible at business. And, and that's because you don't want your bread associated with stuff you don't I, you know, it's about just or? You know, it's just like a the – way, the way the relationship goes is like literally what will happen is like this person has my phone number, right? And right. I just don't want to get a weird text at like 2 in the morning <laughs> – it's like, hey, I need bread in like three hours. Like, you know, yeah. it's, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. So. Yeah, I did <laughs> so notice, like, from the, the, the your website, you you're on, you only really supply Tuesday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Has yeah. That, has that been a, an issue with no, with, no, with they, no, or? no, totally, it's great. I mean, it's the thing we've, we've learned is like, um, people, we like, so we we embrace like practical approaches mm-hmm. with bread. Like we know you're going to use it for toast. Like I, I am not so romantic about <laughs> this that I think that everyone's just going to like. You don't have to sign that you don't have a toaster at home. Right. right? <laughs> right. We don't make people sign contracts <laughs> at the farmer's market. But, um, you know, so we're pretty practical. We say, listen, freeze it. It freezes really well. Like I freeze it and it's great. You pull it out and you toast it and then it goes really well. And so we, we understand that like this is how people use it. And we try and embrace that and say, listen, you know, it's it's two days. Yeah, well, it's far better to freeze it and and have yeah. it be really good because bread does freeze very well as yeah. opposed to let it sit for two days and then exactly. You know, and and the thing that the thing that we find too is because we we because we use natural leavening, the bread does have a longer shelf life, just like on the shelf. That being said, we are the other thing we don't do is we don't sell day old bread. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's you know good or bad because it causes us to have like these kind of buyback programs yeah. with local retailers. Like if it doesn't sell, that's on us, and we'll. Buy it back, so I just don't want to sell day-old bread. And what do you do with day-old bread? We either – we make, like, croutons out of it mm-hmm. uh, or Nicole and I take it home and eat it. Yeah. We're lucky that we don't have too much to that problem. Yeah. You know, right, it doesn't right, happen right. to us that often that we have, like, a bunch of loaves come back. Right, right, right. Well, I do know you sort of – have you styled yourself a southern bakery and try yeah. to use southern grains? Yeah. Is, yeah what? I'm not from the south, yeah. if that's what you're thinking about, yeah, just uh, – because I know – just a from beer and everything else, the the, the grain industry obviously is this national industry where yes. you, your things are just commodity grains. H- have you had trouble getting you know good, enough no. grain or good grain in the south, no. or was that changing? Well, it's interesting that you say that. So, like, I again, I'm not. I I guess I have a slight um, accent, apparently, <laughs> but like, I'm not. I'm from upstate New York originally, and so like, I we do that not as like a a phony way for me right. to like fit in in the south. Like, I just much like the chefs, it's like just a way that I just like working with my friends. Like that's a hundred percent it. And so my friends happen to be some chefs, um, and then also like farmers. And so I just like working with these people. And so I like giving them my money as opposed to like sending it out to Utah or, but I mean, we haven't had a lot of trouble with it primarily because of like relationships with like Scott Blackwell and, and, uh, Marshall at Highwire. So we, we've kind of had this nice symbiosis, because they need grain and we need grain, but I can't buy 
you know, mm-hmm. 30,000 30, pounds <laughs> of, of heirloom, whatever, you know, uh, I have nowhere to put it in my ceramic studio. So like, um, yeah, so a nice symbiosis. And also we've like, this is year three. This is our third year of planting um, wheat up in Monk's Corner with mm-hmm. Justin Cannon at MC Cannon Farms. And he's um, he's growing uh, Renza Brucey rye, which grows everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's all over the place. Um, he's growing red fife. Um, he's growing Georgia gore and I think some turkey wheat. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, year one is total failure. I right. mean, it's like. <laughs> but you kind of planned for that, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, we're like, okay. this is not going to work, but yeah. we're going to try it. And so yeah. year one, of course, is just like, nope. Um, but we had some seed left in reserve. And then like year two, we I think we got like, Justin harvested like, I don't know, 15,000 pounds, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good amount. And he sold some to Scott. And I think Scott's doing a rye with it, a rye whiskey with it right yeah. now. And so we bought, you know, whatever. And we also did some storage stuff for, for Justin. And so now I talked to him last week and it looks pretty good. And so where do you fall? I mean, I feel like that's sort of the eternal quandary of the whole local foods movement. You know, do you buy from your friends, support your area, mm-hmm. or do you give your customers the very best grain you can source? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good question. So I, I think what we try and do here is we, we try and like the thing that the, the straw that stirs the drink at root, I think it was always like flavor, mm-hmm. you know? And so we sort of try and walk both, try and walk that line, you know, simultaneously between like the absolute best bread. If I make bad bread, no one's going to buy the bread and I can't give the farmer any money and right. the whole thing goes, you know, to pot. But um, so we do, we source locally and also have to supplement that with like some higher protein grain from like, you know, Nebraska or whatever, which but we try and highlight the flavor of that local stuff um, through like, let's say we take the local stuff and that's what we ferment for the starters. And that's where flavor and bread comes from is from your starter. So that's that's how we try and highlight that local flavor and use that stuff from the Midwest where grain grows very well for the kind of structural components. I want more. Right, um, exactly. Cool. So we're talking about this abstractly, but you brought some loaves yeah. with you today. And I think it might be useful. We've had um, folks on the show before in the beverage industry kind of talk through like how you approach their products. So I think it'd be great uh-huh. for you to kind of sure. walk us through uh, a bread tasting. Let's see. The sourdough's got um, uh, red fife that uh, we, we had run through our southern supply of uh, Justin's stuff. So we had to order in some uh, grain from my home area of uh, upstate New York. It comes from this this guy, Luke Genforte. It's a, it's a red fife. It's like an heirloom grain. Um, heirloom wheat variety. And that's also got this Hollis Purple Emmer mm-hmm. from Emmer. Nebraska. Yeah, this, uh, a.k.a. Faro Medio, I mm-hmm. guess. This wheat breeder came by the bakery like a month ago, and um, he's like, hey, I know I know a fella in Nebraska who's got <laughs> this stuff. Do you want some? And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Sure. <laughs> yep. So we, and also we're, we're, we mill stuff, so, you know, it's, it's, it's easier for a farmer to send us a big bag of grain. So. So, and I don't. It's going to be like a magic trick out when I'm pulling out of this bag. But, I mean, as you're talking about, you know, kind of the drinks analogy, if Mm -hmm. you were going to visually assess this, can you talk us through, like, how you decide on color and and this? Sure. So so because we use whole grains. Oh, Oh, we should say what we're looking at. Yeah. So the the sourdough is sort of a long, sort of oblong, sort of flattish oblong Yeah, well, it's like a, it's called a batard. Batard. Mm Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the color itself, it's quite, you know, it's a little darker in color than mm-hmm. your, your typical, which I guess is all the mm-hmm. uh, well, we, the be, fife and the emmer. Well, yeah, so the, the emmer literally is like purple, so it's mm-hmm. like darker. Um, but the 
so the the sourdough, for example, like we we bake our breads darker, primarily because when you have whole grains, like the darker you can bake the loaf. And um, bakers like to bake to a dark color. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's know? definitely a beautiful dark brown on the outside, yeah. and it's sort of yeah. a you can sort of see a bit of a purplish tint to it, but sort of like a light light brown inside. Yeah, I'm I am uh, I'm kind of colorblind, but like I <laughs> and that kind of I mean I am, but <laughs> but but that that uh, emmer like really is like a really yeah. dark color it's it's so strange it's, it's really good it's also hullless so it's it's easier to process for the farmer than um the other hulled wheats like spelt or einkorn right 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 yeah. and it's not i mean it's not a smooth finish no You're, yeah yeah and so is that something you're creating or is that just created through uh we, we do that through slashing okay yeah yep. so literally like a razor blade like yep. a like a double-edged razor blade kind of deal which you can you know buy on the yep. internet <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's that's that goes on a stick and the whole thing is called a lame, okay. L-A-M-E, spelled like lame. Mm -hmm. but it's not lame. We're it's French. A, a we're French, so we say lame. <laughs> and so uh, we, we slash it to make it a design and also to encourage the bread to open in a specific way. So then we're evaluating it. We like to see the cut open and a nice kind of uh, a nice bloom to it. Mm -hmm. um, and also if it, like, it doesn't rise all wonky, which means the shaping was correct. It means the fermentation was correct, et cetera, et cetera. And also like we... We don't prize a sour flavor. Like, uh -huh. I, I don't particularly love a sour flavor. Uh, I go for a little smoother kind of lactic. Mm -hmm. And so we, if it's a little too sour, we say, all right, well, the starter was moved a little too fast or whatever. Right. And well, we yeah, I've, I've moved, look at the, at the grits bread, which has like these this yellow little, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, actually not little. They're, they're sort of yes. coarse grains of yes. grits in them. They're cooked grits. They but they, like gray. I say, it's very soft. It's not gritty. No. And it's it's great texture, and it also has a bit of that. It's not super sour, but it has a bit of that sour yeah. flavor to it from the mm -hmm. from the starter, which is delicious. Those are that's African Guinea flint corn from Greg Johnson at uh, Geechee Boy Mill. He brought some of that over. It is like yellow. Yeah. It is yeah, really bright yellow. yellow. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Usually that cooks out, but um, so we we like we literally cook that and then add that into the into the bread, and so cool. you got a cooked grit bread, so it kind of tastes like a, I don't know, cornflake. Yeah, something. it gives right. a little yeah. bit of sweetness <laughs> or something, sweetness. a volume, a little bit of a different texture than you get yeah. with just, yeah. just grain alone. And you want to talk back to the visuals, kind of through the inside, you hear a lot about, like, the crumb, crumb and yeah. the, yeah. You know, it's like what, the most, over, I, well, it's that's funny, like, the crumb is, yeah, so the crumb to me is, like, the most overrated right. thing that... Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, talk us through that because that's like the one thing. If someone feels like they know something about bread, they're like, yeah, oh, crumb, the crumb. Right. Yeah, so okay. what is crumb and why don't you care about it? I don't care about crumb for a, a couple of, So I care, but I don't, right? So I think like there's a way in which you can care about crumb appropriately, which is that like reasonably open, evenly open, you know, mm -hmm. like a regular irregularity to it, mm -hmm. as opposed to this like sort of giant ciabatta looking thing the crumb i'm referring to is like literally the inside of the bread so if i slice into the bread and i look at it it's it's the holes mm -hmm. in the yeah, loaf. it's more like a webbing in there the webbing it's, in there yeah, like the gluten the gluten, the, strands. the gluten network right. right you can really see just how when it rises it's sure. stretching and forming strands sure. and all that. right and so uh i there's a there's a movement in my industry to have like just the biggest craziest holes right, right. and i don't care about it because like i <laughs> i look at it and i'm like I can't do anything with that bread. Yeah, what like, do you do when you slice it and right. try to spread something on it? My jam falls through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I can't, it's a bread yeah. sieve. It's not really exactly a, right. A so it's it's cool. You know, it it shows that it's sort of like this to achieve it is yeah, well, it's sort of like, like a, a macho thing. Yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. a macho thing to do, yeah. right? Yeah. And but to me, it's yeah, you can do it, but like 
what what is what do you what do people want out of this thing right, right. and most people want to make toast or sandwiches and i'd much prefer folks to use it for you know, an everyday thing as opposed to just like a special thing. I'm not just eating bread, right? right? I'm using it for something. So like we we cherish like that kind of a, a more even kind right. of irregularity that's like it shows that we've got yeah, enough water in this loaf that, you know, we can – it's going to eat in a light way, but also it's not just going to be a loaf of ciabatta. And so then if, if you're not looking for the biggest hole, I mean, what what mm-hmm. is your test when you're giving – Flavor. A, yeah, just – Flavor, okay. 100%. If it tastes good, then tastes we're into good. it. good. Yeah, and also like we, use, we, I mean, we, use, we use whole grains, right? Mm-hmm. And whole grains mm-hmm. is just – it's one of those things where you just, it's not going to look like ciabatta. Right. You know, unless you're uh, a real real yeah. tough guy about it. I was digging into the baguette, which has uh, – compared to those two, those two have like I would call – they're crisp but more chewy, firm mm-hmm. crust. This one's a really crispy Yes, and that's, and that's like that traditional – baguette deal how long how long will that because this, this isn't toasted or anything this yeah. is just well it just came out of the oven so how long will that crust hold up on a, on a baguette uh well it depends where you are in charleston yep. oh, yeah, no, I'm about 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty humid yeah but um the the baguette's really supposed to be like i mean we're sort of traditionalist about it uh, at the bakery like it's supposed to it's supposed to last you basically a day you know and that's why french people line up in the morning yep, to get them long. because by the end of the day like by tomorrow, you don't want a baguette anymore. That same baguette anymore. You want a new baguette. And so it does say, I mean, baking obviously is one of the most traditional arts in yeah. the whole of all the culinary arts. So, where again, where do you find that? Where do you feel like you have to respect the way it's been done? And yeah. where do you like? You to know, deviate? it's it's interesting. So, like we, uh, I'm strangely traditional. I, I really do believe that, like a a good bread baker, I'm looking for like a really great loaf of whole wheat, a really a really good baguette, and mm-hmm. um, a good croissant. You know, that, that's how I generally judge myself and. Our, our, our work, that is. Um, and I, I will say one of, I believe, your most controversial opinions is mm. you don't like pizza. Yeah, I don't like pizza. You want to talk about that? Because <laughs> you're the only person I've ever met yeah. to say that. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get so much hate mail now. Yeah, it's fine. As long as the mail um, keeps coming in. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as bad business. Oh, you're saying yeah. there's no such thing as mail. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that. You say that. I yeah. should get mail. Do you? I do, because I don't have a phone. Oh. Uh, well, that was so fun. we get letters. We've got wow. yes, I've gotten letters. Not just from prison, but like because no, well, yeah, yeah, that's what we two. get in the newsroom. Yeah, sure. yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. Those are the only people who send mail because they also don't have a phone. Oh, we yeah. get huh. Yeah, that's good. you guys should pay well, that. One they're supposed huh. to have. Yeah, <laughs> not one they're supposed to have. And we won't Fan- get into that. Fascinating. Different podcast. Yeah. So like we get yeah we get letters from um, uh, I don't know folks like in Mount Pleasant. There's a guy in Mount Pleasant that writes us letters. Um, we've get, we are they get typed letters. or handwritten? Handwritten. Handwritten. Not yeah. texted from letters cut. From right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I had wondered where my staff had gone. They <laughs> <laughs> turned out they were kidnapped. <laughs> That's what that letter yeah. was about. <laughs> he was trying to tell you. Yeah. I should make a phone call. Yeah, about yeah you probably should. You should get a phone. Get back to that guy. I should. Yeah. I should get back. It's been a yeah. month. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So we get letters. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I don't like pizza. Here's why. Okay. Okay. Just bear with me. I'm going to land this plane. Get all the time you need. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just don't think white flour has a lot of flavor, which it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and traditionally, so like Neapolitan pizza is made with Tipo Zero Zero flour, mm-hmm. which is basically the most sifted flour that there is. You know what I mean? So all flour starts out as whole wheat flour, right? And so in a roller mill, they go through these rollers, and then they're continually sifted and sifted and sifted until the stuff that's um, the starchiest stuff, mm-hmm. the whitest stuff, is left, and that's how, that's what type double O mm-hmm. pizza is. So unless you use like a poolish, which is like a pre-ferment 
and you ate some kind of pre-ferment, it just tastes like pretty much nothing. It tastes like whatever you put on top of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I really it, think good pizza is good bread, and I just I don't think white bread is that good. Okay, you don't think white bread. So then, are you a fan of like the co-op pizza when it's like they have huh. like the spelt dough? Yeah, but, well, yeah. that's that could be the same problem though. It's like it's to me, it's like I. It's the strangest thing. I don't know why. I think it's starting to change. I, I know it's starting to change, but like. For some reason, pizza people and bread people have never, like, talked, you know? And it's like, this is what – it's just flat bread, you know? And so – So so could there be a pizza with a yes, great crust? There yes. could be. But the thing is yes. – And you haven't made I that yet? I feel like no. most of the pizzas that well, try I mean, it's to, on you. Like Chris. I mentioned the spelt, <laughs> yeah, spelt crust. I've never really found one of those I thought was nearly as enjoyable as a regular old pizza crust. Yeah. Well, you have to enjoy the politics that come with it. It's That's all true. like I, a, I, yeah, I, I, I some little ethos. I the flavor of the, of the yeah. correctness in the, in the dough. But um, Well, spelt, the thing is like so, like each grain – so my if my whole, thes- my whole thesis <laughs> on baking, right, is that like each – grain like flour doesn't taste like anything unless it's fermented right you know it's just it just tastes like i mean if you ever dipped your finger in flour yeah. like you're a cop in an 80s show trying right. cocaine <laughs> you, yeah. you, it doesn't taste like anything it tastes like just sawdust yeah. but uh you ferment it and that's where flavor comes from you know and for whatever reason i, I just don't know pizza pizza Folk and bread folk are just they are related. Totally, we're cousins totally who never talk, yeah. you know? And now we're starting to talk, which is great. We're starting to reach across the aisle. Well, that's why, I mean, I might, so, so I, the reason cracking on various kinds of spelt dough and things, I think it's just because pizza folks haven't tried to really yes. work and get a, a grain that works well. We're working on it. My, my really good friend of mine, so I did, I did the pizza dough at the Florence, and I was, like, animate about the fact that, like, it should be, it should taste like good bread, like, right. you know? And so Kyle has... Kyle, who's the chef there, has like a very he learned Neapolitan pizza and wanted to make Neapolitan pizza. I'm like, all right, fair enough. You're the you're the jefe. So I must, <laughs> you know, use this <laughs> use right. the strictures that you set out. And so we did like a naturally leavened pizza dough that did have like flavor. And I was happy about that, right? But I I again, like it's just a, it's just a matter of like using this flour to coax the most flavor out of this dough and then putting good stuff on top of it seems to be the best way forward for pizza. But I don't know. And also, so, I don't eat cheese. So yeah. that, oh, well, there's another issue. I, I, guess, just, I just gave me, you like a 30-minute detour. Right. Really, <laughs> there's actually one real answer. A real roadblock yeah. is like <laughs> lactose intolerance. Right. <laughs> well, let's talk. Uh, let's look forward a little bit toward sure. Atlanta. Um, I know as the last last time I read, at least you weren't at were liberty to disclose yeah. where you're heading. A prominent um, food hall. A prominent food hall. <laughs> um, this will be a change of pace, right? So you'll be a little bit, yeah. moving more toward retail side of things? Yeah. Yeah, um, if I if I could tell you, I would tell you. Yeah, we're just we're just finishing things up. So like, um, yeah, moving toward the retail side of things, which is great. Um, food, we'll be doing food, which is. Um, you mean like sandwiches? Stuff on bread. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. now you're going more to like a not just don't like say the that farmers. R word. Don't you say the R word? I didn't say. You're gonna say the restaurant word? No, no. Oh. Don't you say it? I was gonna say ready to eat, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like that. Other the farmers word. market, I assume you're selling just loaves of bread yeah. and things like that. But right. in this case, you're gonna be actually slicing it and putting yeah. stuff on it. And yeah. So yeah, people yeah. can eat it. Yeah. At the moment. Right? But not cool. to. But I, you know, it's like not so we have yeah we have a a chef involved. Mm-hmm. You know, again. I'm I'm taking these large detours <laughs> around saying the word restaurant, <laughs> right? So uh, is well, it? And so it because it's in this fancy food. I forgot what did you call it? Prominent the prominent food hall. Every city has one. Now. Right, right, right. Or so two. you don't have to provide seating. Seating is, comes as part of the deal. Um, 
There will or be seating. Or you could seating. be seating. There will oh, be seating. okay. It's like, yes. Yes. Okay. There will be seating. Drinks? There will be drinks. Wow. Yes. Okay. I know. It yeah. sounds like a restaurant, huh? It sounds like a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, How just, come you don't want it to be a restaurant? Well, it's it's maybe it's a maybe it's like a so you're a baker. And yes, a baker is that's different really than what a it is. Chef, yeah. Right? Yeah, and I just hold chefs with such contempt generally speaking. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I have to treat them all, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like keep like, an arm's you know. length. Right. Right. No, it's it's I think it's just a matter of like how the direction develops, right? So like in in a bakery like we there's just this the type of person that becomes a baker, you know, strangely. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the kind of environment that I like and it's the kind of environment that I'm, we're trying to build, right? right? And so like when we call it not a restaurant, um, what we're really in- emphasizing is the fact that like, you know, this is a, a really good bakery with, you know, freshly milled whatever yada yadas and pastries <laughs> and with like a really good cafe that almost pops up into it every day because we're not right. giving this these chef guys – we're not really giving them any real restaurant infrastructure. Right. Because, you know, we're basically, I basically said to them, like, listen, if chefs like to run their mouths about how they can make good food anywhere out of anything, like, I'm going to hold you to it. Like, go for it. You <laughs> so they don't it. have a massive stove with no. pots and no. pans. And, and, they, and these guys are the best. And they're just like, yeah, that sounds cool. They signed up for it. So in some ways, so this is sort of a protest of restaurant culture? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, protesting. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, a yeah. little bit. No, seriously. Yeah, no, I mean, for real. Well, I think it goes back. I mean, I mean, they're. Chefs and bakers are very different temperaments. Yeah. I mean, one's all about fire and heat and yeah. throwing stuff in pans and, you know, well, and that type of thing. Bakeries are such peaceful places. Yeah. Yes. They're Slow. supposed to be, they you know. Really they get there at 3.30 in the morning or yeah. whatever, you know. Nice. It's like they're there at the sunrise. It's all very That's true. Very Chefs pleasant. are late night, you know. That's, Super yeah. holistic. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. totally different. And so we're trying, to, we're trying to build this space where it's like, I mean, it's it's not like it's it's not like my chef friends find restaurant life particularly like sustainable either. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I mean, this is not a secret that like it's really hard to yep. be in the kitchen right. for a long time. And so, like we say, we're saying, okay, well, um, what if we did this kind of model where we're in a prominent food hall <laughs> <laughs> and and. Uh, Kind of moving lunches and breakfast as so, opposed what, to dinners. So breakfast, lunch, and will you no, have dinner or no dinner? No dinner. We'll we'll use a space for like pop ups for people who have yeah. you know something to say about food or whatever, or like friends of ours who we invite down to kind of play in our sandbox. But the thing is, is like if you want to come down and cook with us, like you have the same non infrastructure as our, <laughs> right. as our chefs do. So the figure, jar of almond butter and the knife. Right. So, <laughs> so figure it out. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's part of the fun. Is like if if we kind of hold these we have these like limiters on either side and so we can find out this kind of liminal space between like bakery restaurant cafe thing you know i do think it's interesting that in that i haven't really made the thought thought that much about it until you said it but there is actually much more of a connection between distillers and bakers yeah than oh, yeah. there are between baking and chef and, and yeah. Uh, yeah restaurant cooking totally you know, it's grains it's fermentation it's that sort of slow process mm-hmm. and yeah and we're very similar and also not demeaning my chef friends, of course. I, I I think they're what they do is great and inspiring. And so like, it's we're very collaborative mm-hmm. by nature. And so like, we're trying to work with folks that we can collaborate with and get inspired by. You know, because there's always ways in which like cooked grains are something you can throw in a bowl or something you can put in a bread or it's something you can you know what I mean. You mm-hmm. can put in a pastry or whatever. And those are the kind of things that we like to talk about. Well, I do think it's encouraging. I mean, just in the last ten years, the bread 
game, not just here in Charleston, but just throughout the South. Oh, yeah. And restaurants has just really gone it's, up. Where, in my opinion, the best. Yeah. It used to be that this the truck showed up from the commercial bakery every so often, and they unloaded pallet after pallet of... Wait, Chris, your opinion is the best it's been, or it's the best in the South? I, well, no, I think I think, the, I think the bread in the South <laughs> is, the like, some of the most interesting in the country. And why, why do you say that? Because we don't have the infrastructure. Ah, okay. You know? Gotcha. And so, like, yep. we... I say we. I'm, I'm embracing the least yeah. you understand. Like, oh, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. I'm very protective of my adopted yes. home, home region. Right. So uh, it's super easy to grow grain in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so when you're a baker in like California, it's just really easy to get the kind of grains that they grow in Utah. Right. right? It's 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 cheap, relatively. It's like consistent. Mm-hmm. And down here, we just do not have the same kind of consistent grain culture. Right. And so we have to kind of figure things out. And so that's that's created some interesting opportunities for um, southern bakers to use things like corn and millet and sorghum and these kind of heirlooms that have, you know, once defined this part of the country, right, that have been used in other applications and now they're being used in like hearth breads. Right. And so like in Asheville and in, um, you know, Nashville and Virginia – you know, like Washington, D.C. just got a really good new bakery. Uh, you know, it's like all over the southeast, there are these people who are using these interesting southern heirlooms to create hearth breads. And is there something that you feel defines southern bread be- besides just the grain going into it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because that's, that's really what sort of does define the southern bread baking is like neither myself, like my opinion on the crumb is like sort of echoed by mm-hmm. my compatriots like yeah. from New Orleans to Virginia you know yeah. it's like no one's really thinking about like this giant these giant holes they're thinking about like where did I get this from mm-hmm. you know which seems to me like there's a very a very sort of idiosyncratic way that southern bakers right. are thinking yep you know as opposed to what, the, what they're doing in New York or in San Francisco yeah I think this grits bread is is really you know, yeah it's definitely a, a southern s thing it's, I'm just fascinated by it. It has a, g- a wonderful flavor yeah. and texture. Have you ever done anything with rice flour yes. and rice bread? Yeah, we're kind of known for it. I mean, it, it, that, that was like we had to stop making it for a while because I just got tired. <laughs> just, you just got it. Yeah. burned out. On Literally, it. <laughs> I was just like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm not like good at business. So, <laughs> so we we did uh, Carolina for when we just opened, so uh, two and a half years ago, I guess. We did a Carolina Gold Rice and Benny Seed bread for the Carolina Gold Rice Foundation meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, with Forrest. I think I think you I took there. some. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, we did a bread for that. And that was like the first time I had ever done anything with rice and bread. And it got it got pretty, pretty popular like in mm-hmm. town. And like so McCready started using it. And they were the definitely the most visual. They were the most they were putting it like in their um, tasting room. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, once, <laughs> once, once the chefs like sign for it, I don't know. What <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so well, when rice I, does have an interesting texture, though. It seems. I don't know. It seems like a lot of stuff I've had is like, crisp or has a unusual. Yeah. Well, the Carolina gold rice doesn't have like a. I don't know. It doesn't have a distinctive in bread anyway. Yeah. You know, it's it's different in, on a plate. It doesn't have a distinctive like flavor to it because it's it's polished, you know, the mm-hmm. white the, the yeah, so it's it is a very mild yeah. rice mm-hmm. to begin yeah. with. Yeah, which is not bad, you know. But so we actually started getting it from my friend Lucy, who grows um, um, Charleston gold mm-hmm. somewhere. <laughs> somewhere in the <laughs> somewhere low country. Nearby. <laughs> <laughs> I think she grows rice. So, so she represents it shows herself up in a bag, today. Yeah. A truck. yeah, she shows up, she's got a cute dog, and so we buy the rice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So but the Charleston gold 
is a varietal of the Carolina, and it's more aromatic. Mm-hmm. And I, I prefer that to the Carolina Gold. Right. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. So when you, you mentioned restaurants in terms of McCready's, and I know restaurants are not your favorite thing, as we've already established, but, you know, I hear a lot from diners, and, you know, obviously you, you always hear about people complaining about having to pay for bread, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily asking you to weigh in on that, but ideally okay. for you. Well, Well, I guess what I'm asking <laughs> is if you go to a restaurant, what do you think is the best way for them to handle bread service in terms of what they offer, how they offer, when they offer I don't know. I, I think that's. I think it's highly contextual. Mm-hmm. You know. So like, yeah. um, Nicole and I went to Wild Olive. They give you bread on the table, which seems to like a very generous like Italian restaurant thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's lovely. And we've also been to Rappahannock where they charge you for a bread plate, which doesn't feel. I don't know. It doesn't feel like you're getting ripped off because right. it's. As long as the bread is good and the stuff Well, because the money's goes, coming back to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels hey, great. Yeah. Listening to this, yeah. go to Rapid yeah. <laughs> But I, I guess I guess to me, I, what I'm saying is like, I, I think it's, it feels like appropriate yeah. given mm-hmm. the space. Like, right. Just I do like having it. bread just sort of there early on because you're hungry. It takes the edge off. I, I sort of feel there should always be bread. Yeah. I don't care if it's pay it for and not pay for. Itself, as opposed to something you're eating alongside some saucy entree or something like that. Yeah. Which is fine, but you also need it when you do have a saucy entree. I don't. I just think oh, bread. No, I like it to have throughout the meal, but I like to get it up sure. front so you have just a bread by itself so you can focus on that a little bit. And I, yeah, I, I listen. I'm like. Uh, but whether they charge you for the basket, it seems immaterial because you're going to pay for it one way yeah. or another. Yeah, it it's, all if gets it's, baked yeah, into the plate. Or they charge if, you for the air conditioning not, and the yeah. chair either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I had an experience. I guess this was not – it wasn't exactly bread so much as like a – toast point, you know, and so this was over at Purlieu, which is a new restaurant here. We were having the artichoke gratin, which was really, was very good and came with like four, five toast points. And that was not enough. No, and you've got to have, so he said, can we have some more? And she said, well, she said, it's going to be 50 cents. Are you okay with that? And I found that to be just so awkward to yeah. be like literally <laughs> arguing over 50 cents. You could just, just charge me just a dollar char- more for That's that. Exactly for that exactly what I said. Just charge an extra know. dollar. I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. You know? Like if it's, someone it's, charged me, uh, I don't know. I think we were having a conversation with a friend of ours the other day yeah. about this, like a burger you know, and like you pay for the ketchup or you just pay more for the burger right. and get free ketchup. <laughs> you know? yeah. However, there are people out there who – We'll itemize that bill at the Indeed. end of the night and we'll guarantee you. They Absolutely. Will, sure. They will call you the, the waiter or waitress over. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's fine. Listen, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So you run your business how you run we, a business. We need, the world needs accountants too. Right? No, yeah. And I think I think there is, I mean, I don't know if this is true in the case of ketchup, but I do think there is an argument to be made that it does help people realize the value of something if instead of just adding free tests, if you say, we'd love for you to have ketchup, it will be, you know, $7. Yeah. You say, oh, wow, it must be wonderful. The you know, I, I do think it has helped raise the profile of bread. I think in the end, yeah. it no, probably I, did help. I, I think it's okay. I mean, listen, yeah. like I... I don't know. I'm I'm very I try and be as pragmatic as possible about the whole thing because you know, I think we're not the cheapest bread. Um we're also not the most expensive. We we try and like get a fair price, you know. I think it's that's what most most bakers are built that way. Right. You know, if you're if you're at a restaurant and you get a plate of bread and you're paying for it and there's like a fancy seaweed butter and stuff yeah. like I I don't know what it takes to make seaweed butter I, you know like, it sounds expensive like, yeah, you gotta go snorkeling first yeah. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta pay the diver right. you gotta you know right. it seems like there's a lot of overhead there yeah. and so I, I'm like that's okay but also like I said like it's in an Italian restaurant it feels kind of natural yeah. and they you know 
there's so many carbs floating around that place that they can get that back in pasta or right. whatever. Right. You know what I mean? They're like you said, they're kind of getting it back somewhere yeah. else. They'll, they'll get it. They'll get their money one way or another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At the end, and if it's delicious, it's delicious. Right. You know. Thanks so much for joining us. And, pleasure. Yeah. Um, it, I know you can't name the place yet. Do you, do you have a name for the new? Root Baking Cafe. Root Baking. Root, baking. Yeah. So you want to keep root, root goes baking? with Chris. Uh, yeah. that, that sticks with you. Well, you know what? It's hard to come up with a name, you yeah. know? It's a good one. Thank you. You might as well, you might as well yeah, stick with that one. Listen, and, yeah, it's fine. And it's, remind me, is there a name for the the inherited company? Killer. Yeah, Killer. Yeah, Joe, so, Joe right, because I don't know that we made that clear. Do yeah, wanna, and, and is Joe, has he worked with you in the past? Mm-hmm. He, he's yeah, sort of yeah, taken yeah. over the He's the, He's the our spot. head baker now. He, he baked all this stuff okay. here. Um, so he's our head baker, and he's the... He's worked with me for, I guess, a year. So probably the bread will, I'm sure he'll evolve over time, but probably largely the similar, same. Similar, similar. Di- we, we have a similar value system, so yeah. I would think it's a similar direction. But he's his own guy. You know, he's going to have his own flavor yeah. preferences and stuff. So, but he's going to do great. He's a great guy, too. And he, for people locally, may know he was at Butcher and Bee for, mm-hmm. for a little bit. So, yeah. well, thanks so much for coming in and best of luck in Atlanta. And thanks Thank again you. for all the, the wonderful bread. Thanks, thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> thanks, Chris. All right, y'all. I'm back in the studio um, without Robert, who had to leave. Um, but we have two new guests here. Um, Stephanie Barna, our food writer, who y'all have met before, and Travis Hartog from Bottles. Um, Bottles is joining us today because um, next week, Stephanie and I will be hosting um, a Post and Courier food event in conjunction with Charleston Wine and Food Festival, um, in which we're going to be inviting about two dozen chefs um, over to the bar at Proof to mix up some cocktails and mocktails. We first off, we'd love for y'all to join us for that on Thursday. Is that March first? First, okay. Yeah. Thursday, March first. So, um, if you go today to postandcourier.com, there's ticket information there. If you want to observe all the shenanigans that are going to take place, but we want to and uh, and Travis, you're going to be there, right? Yeah, that's and right. will be there. Um, so yeah, so great to have the support of, of bottles on this one. Um, and so we want Travis to come in just to talk briefly about this is, you know, it's a drinks competition. And so we were kind of looking for some secret weapons that these folks could either deploy um, in the contest sphere or that you at home could use to kind of up your drinks and impress your guests. Yeah, exactly. Take it away, Travis. Sure. So everyone's kind of done with St. Germain. That was the big one. Got into everyone's house. And, you I know, still fancy. have the T-shirt. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not done with St. Germain. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, just, just <laughs> something else has come along. Right. This past year, we got a Papelmousse liqueur, French well, Papelmousse liqueur. Uh, Gaffard was the first one that came in, and now we have Combier, which is a fantastic. I, which is a Pamplemousse sounds fancy, but it's grapefruit. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's totally grapefruit. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, so what's cool about the Pamplemousse is um, it's great with anything goes great with mezcal. Mm. So if someone got you a bottle of mezcal and you have no idea what to do with it, uh, yeah. oh, wow. you just mix this, and all of a sudden you seem like a mixologist. <laughs> I mean, it, def- the, it is very aromatic. Uh, I was right. in an sure. airport last night, like, killing time at the body shop. And, yeah. You know, yeah, there were some soaps that smelled like this. Oh, that's delicious. Isn't that amazing? Can you just drink this on ice? Is that okay? Sure. Is that allowed? I approve of that. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Yes. Um, great in a Negroni. Switch up a Negroni, take like the Campari mm, out, and use mm. something like this. Lighten it up. Yeah, well, totally lighten yeah. it up. Well, and again, can you, um, can you put this in sparkling wine? It mm. seems like a little bit of bubbles would be. Yep, easy. Yeah. Cool. Just a little bit of cava or something like that. Yeah. Boom. And so you said, so there are multiple producers of this product? Sure, yeah. yeah. There's okay. the two houses in, in France are um, Gaffard and Combier, and they, they make this fantastic 
for some reason, they're the only ones that can do it. <laughs> and so how did they get into Pamplemousse? I mean, it seems like... Sure. So they are were um, long time... Triple sex starts these mm-hmm. sort of places, and then they go to other fruits. Um, so grapefruit was available. Yeah. And so, boom, it happened. Cool. Thankfully. So how long has this been on the market now? Uh, just a year oh, for us really in South true. Carolina. Okay, South Carolina. Sure, I'm sure yeah. other places got it a yeah, lot sooner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, cool. for us, just this past year. So it's brand new. It's only like 24 bucks, you know, so it's an easy one to put on your home bar. Right. And I imagine it's like like many things. Like you're not going to drink it all up in one sitting. No, you can, yeah, yeah, a little splash. Just a little bit. So. What is the um, alcohol by volume uh, in ABV, that? 16. Okay. Oh, so it doesn't add a lot <laughs> to your drink, you know? Yeah. Are there bartenders around town who have been using this? Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Do you have any it's uh, crushing it. Yeah, well, um, places people ought to go try it? Uh, definitely at Proof, definitely at uh, Cocktail Club, cool. any great establishment, all of our. Awesome. I got another one, too. We okay. want to jump right into the next one? Let's do another all one. All right. So this okay. is convenient. <laughs> Let me drink can... this one down <laughs> like a shot. That's right. Whoa. So Ooh. this is a brand new product to us also. It's a Lustau Vermouth. So most of your vermouths are made with wine, like white wine. Right. Yeah. But this is actually, the base is sherry. Oh, wow. Ooh. So it's a sherry oh, vermouth. And it's a very pretty bottle. I will yeah. Say. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Just for everyone at home, you can paint a picture. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of vermouth being poured around town. Yes. Um, at lots of different places. Yes. And I guess everybody always thinks of just martinis and dry vermouth. Right, right, right. It is a great drink just on its own. Yep. Um, I, they'll definitely take care of you at Stems and Skins if you're going in that direction. I think we talked about it. Vintage also. Vintage they're a little it. geeky Vintage about the vermouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can definitely taste the sherry. Yeah. It's yeah. noticeable. It's Ooh. fantastic. Oh, the And that's smell. what I'm saying. You mm-hmm. take this home, instead of making a Manhattan with regular vermouth, make it with this. Oh, nice. Boom. All of a sudden, it sets you apart. Well, that's great. It's a breakfast for yeah. most. Right? <laughs> Apparently it is today. <laughs> so uh, who, who makes this? I'm sorry. Moustau. Out of? Spain. Okay. Yep. Yep. Wow. And is this also, is this a category or is this kind of a one-off sort it's, of? No, it's it's one of a kind yeah. for sure. So okay. it's in my vermouth section. Um, it is a vermouth. It's just sherry-based. So um, they also yeah. make a Bianco, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is just a little bit lighter, great over ice, right. more refreshing. Right, right, this right. Is, I think this is totally mixable. So when you say, you know, put in your hat, so this is going to go where traditionally a red or, or Italian sure. vermouth would go? Yep. Is that how you exactly. substitute it in? Yeah, this okay. is more yep. of a rosso. Yep. 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 And this at bottles, this is in the wine department no, and it's not in, in the it's liquor? it's in the liquor store okay. in the vermouth section. Okay. Because anything over 17 has to make it over my way. Yeah, How high right. are we going now? <laughs> I'm sure it's right at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I never know the, the rules and the laws with it's that. Yeah, until confusing. I can't find what I'm looking for. I'm yeah. like, Darn it. That's um, why I'm there. And then how much does this retail for? Uh, it's also 24 25 bucks. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so a Manhattan, where, where, mm. what else would you do with this to really Any sort of spot friend? where it calls for where vermouth. Um, vermouth yeah. Right. So what's cool, like I said, first the Rosa came out, but they do have a Bianco. So if you want to slip it into a martini, Mm -hmm. gin martini or something like that, they do have the Bianco, the lighter version. Wow. And so were they, are they sherry producers? Are they Mm -hmm. sourcing sherry? Yeah, they're like one of the world's number one sherry producers. Lusau is one of the larger, one of the larger houses. I do know. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah, they have a great line. Very cool. 
Um, all right. Well, Travis, any last minute tips for our competitors next week? Who I'm this is sure going to be so exciting. It's right? going to be super fun. And so I'm, I'm, chefs making cocktails. Chefs making cocktails and mocktails. Um, yeah. yeah, sort of depending. Um, and so the format of this event is each chef is going to leave for the next chef some sort of abstract direction, like okay. make something purple, yeah. make something There's sweet. A pineapple. Exactly right. Okay. So I'm sure you've participated in a lot of cocktail contests. Any any advice for our? our I would say keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. <laughs> stir, yep. shake, you know, but uh, cool. simplicity is key. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Trevor, thank you so much yeah, for coming in. For we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Yeah, All we'll right. see you next week. We'll see you next week, and we hope to see everyone else, too. All right. Thanks. And that is all for this edition of The Winnow. We recorded today's episode in the prominent podcasting studios at the Post and Courier building in downtown Charleston, South Carolina. If you enjoy listening to The Winnow, please help other listeners find us too. Just go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcasts and like us or leave a rating. The Winnow is a production of the Post and Courier and Palmetto New Media. Our producer today was the... I think he's crusty. I was just going to go with pro pizza, but I'm just hoping. Yeah, he is a <laughs> J. Emery Parker. Our theme music is by the Bluestone Ramblers. Until next time, I'm Robert Moss. And I'm Hannah Raskin. Now get out there and eat. <laughs>